Let me pray for us again. Our Father in heaven, open our hearts and minds to receive and believe your word. Cause your gospel truths to be clear and remove any errors spoken from our memory. Feed us now and strengthen us to do your will. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Is persecution a reason to celebrate? Is persecution a reason to celebrate? If you're like me, you don't celebrate being mistreated. As Cool and the Yang is famous for saying, we celebrate the good times. Instinctively, our joys come from something other than being mistreated. And yes, the scientists have done the research for us. They figured out what makes us happy. And the top three answers on the board are close relationships, having a job or hobby that we love, and, and helping others. Now, I know you're curious, but surprisingly, having more money did not make the list of things that make us happy. Which is strange, because they determined that focusing on not having money makes us unhappy. Not surprisingly, persecution did not make the list. We can assume the scientists did not consult the Bible, and if they did, they might be poor theologians. But to be fair, all of us should probably confess that our human thinking and experience, in our human thinking and experience, we do not associate being blessed with what we see in the Beatitudes. Happier or blessed are those who are self-sufficient, and happier or blessed are those who are self-made or self-accomplished is the human nature. Not happier or blessed are those who are dependent. Not happier or blessed are those who are needy. We're self-confident, not needy people. A lot of people in my friend circle know I'm famous for saying, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and the world says to being blessed through persecution, that's ridiculous. But this evening, I invite you to side with Jesus instead of the world. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. As we continue our study through the Beatitudes, the passage can be found on page 500 and 810 of the Bibles provided. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The build-up to this verse has been unworldly meaning that the world would and does reject the premise of Jesus. According to the verses before this, blessed is the one who mourns, blessed is the humble and pure in heart, and blessed are those who are meek. And if it's not enough to be dependent on others and to be submissive instead of superior, Jesus concludes with this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So not only are you to be persecuted, you're to be persecuted for doing what is right. And in this context, what is right and what Jesus is teaching is absolute loyalty to him. So if I had to summarize what we're going to focus on tonight, it would be this, paraphrasing Sinclair Ferguson. The gospel lifestyle must be characterized by a righteousness which requires such loyalty to Jesus, such integrity, that the moral indifference of the world is challenged. In other words, if you're a Christian who faithfully lives up the gospel, the world will not only challenge you, 
but will chastise and despise you because of your faith. Let's unpack this verse by examining three areas. The reason for the persecution, the rightness required, and the reward that is promised. So reason, righteousness, and reward. First, what is the reason for the persecution? The reason for the persecution is associated with living a godly life. And most importantly, for identifying with Jesus and not disowning Jesus. This righteous life is associated with and indeed exemplified by what Jesus has stated in the previous verses. It is to be poor in spirit. It is to thirst for righteousness. Those who pursue living out these verses will be persecuted. As Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there is a means to persecution, and there is a means to avoid persecution. For several years, the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America took the opposite approach. The Boy Scouts and their affiliates were persecuted regularly. Just 21 years ago, the Boy Scouts were one of the most controversial groups in America. They were willing to honor God and stand by their oath to be morally straight. The Girl Scouts, on the other hand, as one article indicated, watched the cookie crumble without any concern for righteousness. In the 1990s, the Girl Scouts made honoring God optional in their oath. The Boy Scouts were sued for mandating it. The Girl Scouts openly embraced lesbian leaders, while the Boy Scouts resisted gay scoutmasters and were persecuted because of it. Initially, we saw the Boy Scouts living out 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, living godly lives and being persecuted for it, and the Girl Scouts living out verse 13, going from bad to worse, issuing merit badges for studies promoting the LGBT issues. Sadly, the Boy Scouts have succumbed and sided with the world instead of Jesus, and now neither the Boy Scouts nor the Girl Scouts are persecuted. Let me ask you about your life. Have you been persecuted for righteousness sake? If you're a Christian, the answer to this question should be trending towards yes, if it's not there already. You should expect to be ridiculed and criticized for your faith. And if you're not, you're either living in utopia or not living out the faith you claim to have. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. If you've been a Christian for a long time and have not faced persecution for righteousness' sake, perhaps you need to examine your profession of faith. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? As one theologian has said, persecution is the believer's birthmark and is sure proof that you are part of the family of God. The man who is praised by everyone just might not be a Christian. As Jesus proclaims in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. There's no promise of prosperity for the righteous life, but suffering and persecution. So turn off the televangelists and forsake the megachurch motivational speeches and look to Jesus.
This is not an invitation for you to grab your bullhorn and head out to the street corner or show up at the next parade downtown and start proclaiming the gospel for the sake of creating criticism or persecution. It's not an invitation to walk into the office tomorrow morning and express to your work colleague who you've never had a serious conversation with that he's going to hell because of his lifestyle. That conversation might come later, but this is an invitation for you to examine yourself to determine if your colleagues and friends consider you to be set apart for righteousness' sake or are you just part of the crowd. If you have a friend who is unfaithful to his wife, does he think you approve of this unfaithfulness or that you're indifferent because you haven't confronted him and challenged him about it? At your sports team practices or in your group chats with your classmates, are you seen as affirming inappropriate jokes or comments or do you leave the group chat and explain why or at least explain to those in the group that you will leave if the inappropriate activities continue? Have you confronted a friend or family member on social media who holds himself out as a Christian, but every other post is full of foul language and explain to him that such language misrepresents who Christ is? Have you risked your social media life by refusing to attend, your social life by refusing to attend the main event, whatever that event might be, uh, when you know nothing about the main event is designed to glorify God? Have you challenged your brothers and sisters in Christ for prioritizing sporting events, even Christian fellowship through travel on Sunday over gathering with God's people? Have you been defriended because you're standing with Jesus and against the world? If you're a Christian, you should not deny God for the sake of peace with those you interact with. There will be no peace with those who are not in Christ. As one theologian has said, a righteous life will not make a man popular. And he could have added, and sometimes it will not make your friends and family and even your brothers and sisters in Christ happy. So let's not be like the man who found a new job and at the end of the week was asked by his wife how it went. This is a borrowed example, by the way. Even though there had been cursing and gossip and lying and stealing taking place all week, the man replied, it was great. They never guessed that I'm a Christian. This blessing requires that people know that you're a Christian. The reason for the persecution in this passage is living a godly life. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So let's turn and examine our second point, the righteousness that's required. Ultimately, the righteousness that's required is the love of Jesus and his righteousness. Look down at Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees were supposed to be a holy and righteous people, and they were perceived as that way by many because of their outward conformity to the law. But Jesus says the world's righteousness is insufficient. The external is not what's required, but what's required is an internal conformity to the spirit of the law. To be absolutely clear, Jesus says that your attempt for works-based righteousness, your attempt to justify your own acts, your acts, your acts is ridiculous. It is impossible for you to achieve the perfect righteousness on your own. That would be righteousness done for your own sake. But the righteousness here must be done for Jesus' sake, to glorify him. I will not ask for a show of hands, 
But I'm going to assume that we have all claimed to be righteous at some point. And we have all claimed to be persecuted for acting righteously. But creating our own righteous standard is insufficient. Here we are looking at the righteous standard required by God. This standard requires us to be without sin. As one theologian noted, we need the rightness of character before God and the rightness of actions before men. In this, you and I have failed. We have not done all that God requires, but I'm here to tell you about one who has. You see, friends, our lives have not always been right before God, and they are still not based on our actions. As Isaiah states in chapter 64, verse 6, even our most righteous acts are but filthy rags. So we have not lived in the way God requires us to live. Sin too often abounds in our lives. We have not always been poor in spirit or shown deep humility. We have not always been meek, but have often been out of control. We have not hungered and thirsted for righteousness sake, but have hungered and thirsted for revenge instead of forgiveness. We have not met the standards of the Beatitudes. We have failed in what God requires. Our service to God has not been uncompromising. Now you might be here this evening and thinking that your works are good, that they somehow contribute to your righteousness. That, my friends, is ridiculous. Your good work cannot overcome even what you might consider one small sin. It's not man's standard that we're required to live up to or our own standard, but God's standard. That standard is perfection. So I invite you to stand if you're perfect. For those listening to this recording, no one is standing. Indeed, only one is capable of standing. The one who is capable of standing is the one who brings us to the reward that is promised. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This one is Jesus, God's own son. As I stated earlier, we, have all, we all have our persecution stories. Some perhaps for righteousness sake, but definitely some for not. But no one has been persecuted more than Jesus. And every time it was for righteousness sake, for doing the will of his father. Jesus was persecuted for healing on the Sabbath day. He was persecuted for dining with sinners. He was persecuted for proclaiming the truth about God and why he came. So ultimately, his persecution was a result of taking God's side instead of the world's side. If you're here this evening and you're not a believer, meaning you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I need you to know the full extent of Jesus' persecution. You might think that you've been persecuted, but friends, they persecuted Jesus by hanging him on a cross. The only one who was truly righteous was nailed to a tree and murdered. The only person who perfectly, perfectly kept the law of God was persecuted by the Father. He was forsaken by God, the Father, on the cross, becoming sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness, righteousness of God. This was necessary for you and me to ultimately be blessed to inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Someone had to pay the death penalty for our sins, and that someone had to be perfect. Jesus lived out the Beatitudes where we have failed. He is and was perfect in every way, and God required a perfect sacrifice 
to pay the penalty for sin. So the only way that you and I can achieve righteousness is for the righteousness of Jesus to be imputed or credited to us. And you can be blessed through Jesus' death on the cross. I know this because Jesus himself was blessed. Because he, unlike us, had lived perfectly in every way, never being persecuted for wrong, God blessed him by raising him from the dead and giving all power and authority to him. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So how can you be blessed through this? First, you need to recognize that you're a sinner, that your persecution is not always for righteousness sake. You have not lived perfectly, so confess your sins. Second, you need to understand that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life, and this gift of eternal life can only be received through Jesus. He is the only means for your sins to be forgiven, and he stands ready to intercede for you if you will have faith in him. If you believe that he lived for you the life that you haven't lived, died for you, taken on the punishment on the cross that you deserve, and was resurrected from the dead for you, then you will be blessed with an eternal home in heaven. You will receive the reward that is promised. You will not be forsaken by God because Jesus was, was forsaken for you. You and I deserve to be forsaken because of our sin, but we have the full assurance of God as our Father that when we live a life of righteousness, we can endure the temporary persecution because God is with us. So do not fear the one who can kill the body, but the one who can kill the body and send the soul to hell. Place your identity in Christ and in him alone, not in worldly acceptance of men or abundance of possessions. Friend, if you do not believe this, do not leave tonight, do not leave tonight without talking to me about how you can receive the promised reward. I promise you, there is nothing more important for you to consider this evening. To side with the world over Jesus is ridiculous. So I ask you as we conclude, is persecution a reason to celebrate? Is persecution a reason to celebrate? In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were arrested and beaten for teaching in the name of Jesus. And we see this beautiful response in verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. My friends, they knew the wonderful reward of heaven. Is persecution a reason to celebrate? For the Christian who is persecuted for Jesus' sake, the answer must be a resounding yes. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we long for the persecution of your people to come to an end. We long for the day that Jesus returns and brings us to our promised reward in heaven. Until then, we pray for your protection. We pray for perseverance. And we pray for those who are not suffering for your sake to repent and believe, understanding that the minor suffering on earth pales in comparison to the eternal joy in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.